All right, so uh, Pharrell on a bench with you. Uh, Carver High, uh, it, it appears that after all of the betting on your over-unders for your Bud Light consumption in the divisional round during the Bills-Ravens, um, I had apparently knocked over a, a gigantic piece of equipment and <laughs> all of the volume buttons were peaked. And I had accidentally, uh, when I when I knocked it over, I... I spun all the volume levels through the roof from 10 o'clock in the morning to 5.30, and that peaked us out. So the entire first half hour of the show was completely piking and peaking out, and there were people screaming and yelling at me back in New York City uh, where I am, and then you were telling me how bad I suck and how bad I sound. Have I fixed it now with the genius of your boy, Carl Frosch. Yes, we are good to go now. You sound like yourself. Uh, away we go. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Rick Haro joins us, our sports business and legal insider from Harvard. And he's under a tremendous strain. He was on Coast to Coast today. Now we have more time to talk. First of all, I want to ask you about, I don't know if you watched tonight. I hope you did. Did you watch that crazy Miami Heat with their, like, five guys playing in the game? They had all their stars out, and they took the Sixers to overtime in the wildest game uh, of the night and maybe the wildest game of the year so far in the NBA. Did not. Certainly read about it. Uh, I was uh, watching a documentary, I fear, on farming. So don't, don't you know, don't, don't kill me. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Wait we're, a minute. We're, we're, you, we're, you were we're watching in- a doc? A documentary on farming? <laughs> it's, it's record wheat consumption in the plains, pal. I mean, it's like it's a really big deal. So, yeah, but I, I read about it clearly. And uh, now I know about wheat and I read about the heat. Listen, I can't even believe what you're telling me. What could be worse? I saw Granny tonight watching a documentary on Nancy Pelosi for like upwards of two hours on some kind of PBS channel. And I mean, I wanted to stick a knife in my chest. I walked by and I saw her watching this thing. I'm like, what are you doing to yourself? And she gave me the finger. Anyway, um, these things happen. So the Sixers beat them uh, by three in overtime. It was a wild game. And uh, JoJo and Embiid went off in this game for like 45 or whatever it was. And uh, it was just crazy. They had none of their players playing. Uh, all their star players, the Heat, were out. But then uh, Hero at 34 and Robinson at 26. Uh, Olenek had 15. They had Achua had 17. They all got into it. But uh, Embiid had 45. And Danny Green hit nine threes for the Sixers and had uh, 29. Mike Scott had 16. Maxi, the rookie, had 16. Ben Simmons, only five. But he had 12 dimes. And the Sixers won the game over the Heat. That that was crazy. What do you think the problem has been, uh, Rick, with the Heat so far this season after going to the finals in the bubble? They haven't really had it going on. Yeah, well, a lot of it, you know, I, I, you could blame it on COVID. Uh, it's easy to do that. Uh, but the expectations uh, might have been a little higher coming out of the box. And... Uh, uh, it's it's obviously it's still early. Um, not I don't think anybody's panicking down here, but it's not what we expected as far as tip off basketball is concerned in Miami FLA. 
Yeah, that's for sure. So today on the show, you and uh, Carver High had a little uh, thing, a little tit for tat going with the uh, Bills and the Dolphins. And when you left the show, Carver High essentially said, Rick's just mad that the Dolphins had a chance, but went up to the B-low and got their asses busted by Josh Allen. And then he said uh, that the Bills will be playing this Saturday night and the Dolphins are planning uh, their offseason and their draft and maybe considering trading Tua, which I don't really believe. But he said that he's holding all the cards and you have absolutely nothing. Well, you know what? That's probably fair considering the source. We beat the Buffalo Bills like a drum when he wasn't even conceived yet in the 70s when your convicted felon boy, O.J. Simpson, ran for 2,000 yards in one game and bookended some of the most miserable athletic competition in history even before a wide right and in three straight losses. So I'm not going to talk about the Bills, but I will say that we're always looking forward to uh, our our new superstar Devonte Smith. Uh, I'm assuming because the Dolphins are third in the draft that the Jets are going to take that fat lineman and of course Trevor Lawrence with Jacksonville. So for once the Dolphins get a, a player that falls in their laps and if they don't panic and give Tua a chance to thrive, the chance of Tua and Smith being the tandem for the Dolphins for the next 20 years is unbelievable. Now, you know, did he break his hand, by the way? I don't know if he broke the hand. I know he did something to his fingers or something in the hand. So I know he did something bad. That's why he left the game. But here's the thing. I have to ask uh, Carver High this question. Carver High, you don't seriously think that the Jets are going to not pick this kid, number two, and that they would go with some lineman or Justin Fields or some stupid pick. I mean – Sam Darnold's never had anybody to throw the rock to. If he got his hands on this kid, don't you think that he could work some magic? I, 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 don't, I wouldn't put the Jets past anything. I think that he should absolutely be in consideration, but I think we need to know who the Jet coach is going to be first. Maybe We don't know if they want Sam Darnold or not, so I think we have to see who the coach is before we know that. I think uh, yeah, I think, the, I think Adam, Gaze, Adam Gaze re-signed. I don't know if you read that just now, and they, they're bringing back uh, – Tune and uh, who else? Are, who, who, what other what other receivers are they bringing back? I I just hope they make another mistake. Uh, you, you're you're absolutely right, but all the draft boards have that lineman going to the Jets. I, I don't know. I don't even know who you're talking about at at this point. I know that the Salah had a second interview with the Jets today. They flew him in for a second interview. We talked on Coast to Coast that there's multiple people that are trying to spin this rumor that Peterson's going to the Jets because he knows uh, Joe Douglas. I, I, You know, they won a Super Bowl in Philly. I don't know if that's either here nor there, but the reality is a lot of fans and the media in New York are saying, you know, we've already been down this road with the coach that just got fired somewhere else and, and they brought him in, Gase. And now why would they do the same thing again? Bring in a coach that just got fired. But the fact is the coach that just got fired won a Super Bowl and went to three playoffs in five years and got it done and beat Belichick. And, you know, there's a lot of people that think he's still a good coach. And then I've said on the show, Rick, that there's a lot of 
uh, talk from what I'm hearing that the players couldn't stand him. He lost the locker room and that they didn't respect him. And that's a real problem. So would you go with Salah, the new guy? Because I think Bienemy is going to end up in Houston. Would you go with the Niners defensive coordinator? Would you take that chance over a guy that won a Super Bowl? Well, and then Salah, Salah uh, apparently he's the, the Lions. Everybody was talking about him for a while, the hot and cold. And, and Peterson is, is rumored to be uh, an offensive coordinator candidate with the, with the Dolphins, although that's a demotion. And, uh, you know, nobody understands. The bottom line is there's so much misinformation heading out there that it's hard to understand. Although, as a Dolphin fan, you just hope the Jets make their annual mistake. Who knows what it's going to be, but you know it's going to be a big one. So uh, let's talk. we got a lot to cover here. Uh, The NHL, I know Carver High's licking his chops that the league is starting up on uh, Wednesday night. Tomorrow night, five games. The first one is that Penguin Flyer game. You know the Penguins will go to uh, Philadelphia and screw that up. And then uh, you've got the Lightning and Blackhawks. They just re-signed their coach, by the way, uh, to an extension. Canadians and Leafs, Canucks, Oilers, Blues, Avalanche. When you heard that, like, 19 Dallas Star players had COVID, like, that's the whole team. Uh, what did you think when you heard that they wouldn't even be able to start the season because they're so ravaged with the COVID already. Do you feel that this is going to be a, a real problem, just like all these other sports are having problems with it all season long? Respectfully, I got 90 seconds. Well, of course it's going to be a real problem. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's mirroring the issue in, in the country. And, you know, 4,500 people a day dying, and, and it's, it's just an incredible situation. And so uh, the numbers are unbelievable. Uh, you're going to have... Uh, mass uh, problems. Uh, the NHL got incredibly lucky with those bubbles last year. Uh, Gary Bettman did an amazing job. They're doing as much as they possibly can with that Canadian division, as you know, so you don't have to travel down to the U.S., but that doesn't help because COVID uh, doesn't report to anybody. It, it's the one that makes its own rules, and you just hope that with all the stuff that Gary Bettman is doing, selling the names of divisions to corporations, selling the names of uh, corporations on, on helmets. He's trying to generate as much revenue as he can, but one thing he cannot control is COVID. So uh, at, at Tahoe, they're going to have, at, at Edgewood in Tahoe, which is a badass place, uh, everybody knows uh, how beautiful it is in Tahoe, but we've never seen outdoor games in Tahoe. How about the Avs and, and Knights Flyers and Bruins. We'll come back and talk about that with Rick. We got a lot more to talk about, including the divisional uh, playoff games this weekend, who the big money sponsors are there. Uh, we'll get into everything going on, including NCAA tournament plans all in the Hoosier State this year. They're going to have six locations in Indiana. That's where they're going to play all the games. We're talking to Rick Carl from Harvard on a bench.
All right, Pharrell with you on uh, Sirius 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network, and, of course, Mightier 1090 in San Diego and all of Southern California, and all of our uh, radio affiliates, Sports Map, Byline, you name it. Good to have you with us tonight. I'm talking to Rick Harrow from Harvard, our sports business and legal insider. Now, explain to me the plan uh, that... Uh, you know, Dan Gavitt, the head of marketing for the NCAA, what their plans are for this 68-team, uh, 67-game event uh, that's unlike anything they've ever tried before. It's all going to be in Indianapolis. Is that the deal? Because I heard that it was going to be like six locations. But is it all going to be at like Lucas Oil and that convention center? They're setting it up and they're working with Marriott. What's going on? Setting it up, working with Marriott, they're also uh, expanding. They're going to look at other sites, potentially uh, haven't finalized it all, but it won't be that far from Indianapolis. It'll be in the suburbs, and clearly they've had experience of putting together a special uh, series of events uh, around a bubble. Uh, They've had NBA games in Orlando, obviously, over an extended period of time, 68 Team 67 events, they'll be able to pull it off because of the time frame. We're talking about three and a half weeks, and we're talking about fairly close to each other. And it's brilliant because the purists obviously don't like it, but the purists aren't the ones that have to figure out where the revenue comes from if they don't have March Madness. So the one thing we're going to count on is a March Madness that is potentially pretty seamless as long as they get there and as long as they don't have cancellations, they're going to impact everybody. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to be one of those deals where they're going to be able to pull it off. So, I mean, do you think this is like, uh, you know, because every sport has got all these issues. Uh, We're still watching sports, which is really all that we crave and that we want. Is it ruining the business side of things for all these tournaments and, and, you know, playoffs and all these sports championships and everything else is is this pandemic ruining uh sports in some capacity or another well it would be ruining sports if they couldn't figure out how to play and television revenue for now a second season would be thrown into chaos but luckily we figured out how to televise uh with a sound loop that people don't care about anymore you know it's interesting i was talking to people yesterday about the nfl playoffs and asked them do you think there are crowd noises you think it's real or not and of course it's all piped in but nobody even thought about it these days it's because everybody's taking it for granted and everybody's understanding how important it is to have the games and crowds are not even relevant you've got to think about it to realize that most of these games are played without any crowds uh, and so, you know, the ruin would be if we didn't have the games at all. And if sports was ruined, you wouldn't have Seattle and Vegas up for expansion opportunities at $2.5 billion a piece. The fact that Adam Silver has the uh, 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 guts to talk about that potential number during a pandemic means that we're coming out the other side in pretty good shape. A lot of good those uh, family and friend tickets did for my Steelers on Sunday night with the people that they let in. Yeah, but they, that was that was yeah that was pretty good because uh, you know those people left early. They avoided the traffic jam, and uh, you know you look up and uh, 
I, I was with, uh, uh, I will say, uh, let me just say it, I was with going to the Roonies today, and uh, I, uh, uh, I took some considerable dollars on the golf course today because all I had to say on a on close putts was uh, Cleveland Browns. And, you know, they, he'd missed the six-foot putt and, and they just... got all upset. <laughs> yeah, totally, just totally fell apart. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the Tomlin deer in the headlights, uh, a lot of that was just unbelievable. The, the, the uh, you know, you don't look now, but you're down 28 nothing. That, yeah, that, that, I was going to say that will never happen again, but it certainly it is not something you plan on. So they're going to allow uh, fans into the Masters uh, next year and then, like, whatever, this year, whatever you want to call it. And why did the LPGA commissioner uh, quit? Well, I know Mike Juan well, and, and he just wanted a kind of a change of pace. I think he felt really comfortable that he left the organization in pretty good shape. I'm not sure there was a whole lot more that could be accomplished. He's a great guy. I don't know where he's going to emerge. But uh, the LPGA certainly was better for his tenure. Uh, as to the Masters, uh, the patron badges for 2020 was to be about 375 bucks. We know that uh, the badges face value is not what happens to the Masters. It's going to be even more valuable now because the fans are going to be limited, but there are going to be some. And Honda Classic just announced they're going to have fans in. A lot of the tournaments will have fans because they've perfected the, the protocol. And, and, the, and the question is, an outdoor sport with fans socially distancing, will they keep ahead of the terrible spike in the virus uh, until such time as we get the vaccine and until such time as it turns around? So uh, the Saints are doing this huge renovation for next year at the Superdome. Uh, I know they got to worry about the uh, Buccaneers this weekend, but uh, what is that whole plan in the uh, end zone? They're building these uh, mega suites. Yeah, mega suites, field suites, like they're doing in Dallas. Uh, a lot of the stadiums, Indy, Minneapolis, uh, some of the new uh, stadiums ha- have these suites on the ground. Personally, I know they're close to the action, but you have no perspective on the ground. You can't see too much. Uh, but it's for people who want to be able to kind of almost reach out and touch the players, the point is a bigger one, which is that there is a major renovation of a stadium and start looking once we figure out how to get the next stimulus passed, that stadiums are opportunities to spend money on infrastructure. You know, if you remember, Yankee Stadium was done in the 1920s after the Spanish flu epidemic of, of 17 and 18 and they wanted to figure out how to get some more jobs in New York. The Orange Bowl was done as a WPA project after the recession. So as we get more stimulus money, look for stadium renovations and public facilities to get some dollars as a way to bring people and jobs back. I actually preferred going to the Spanish flu stadium as opposed to the new uh, antiseptic Yankee stadium. I enjoyed the, smell of disease at the old uh, stadium when I went to the Bronx. I got to tell you, so uh, how have the NBA ratings been since they launched on Christmas Day and through the holidays, and where are they now? Because I watch every game. I get my hands on I'm watching the Warriors and and Pacers right now, and I watched the Lakers uh, tonight, and I watched the Nets game tonight beat the Nuggets, so I can't get enough of it. Are people watching in droves? 
Yeah, unexpectedly, the NBA ratings seem to be pretty good. And, and frankly, remember, we had some issues about glut in sports in September when all of a sudden everybody was playing and you had some ratings down and then they started blaming everybody. But when you think about it, the NBA coming back, let's see what happens when the NHL season starts significantly. Uh, will be no all-star breaks for NBA nor NHL. But I do think both of them will be doing pretty well. And then they'll be doing even better when the season gets down the stretch, when the playoffs look like they're going to begin, and, of course, when NFL is over. So uh, the Grammys have been pushed. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Everybody was talking about how we were returning to normal and these could have been virtual, but the uh, uh, sports and entertainment industry does different things. The 63rd Grammys have been moved to March 14, and the uh, uh, COVID in L.A. is the reason. Staples Center, and so NBA schedule extends only through March 3, so obviously the legal insurer, the Lakers and Clippers are on the road March 14. The Kings play the Avalanche in Denver that night, so we're all okay. Uh, the only issue we've got to worry about is COVID in L.A., which, frankly, is a pretty darn big issue. Yeah, it really is. Uh, what's going on in Vegas with the Consumer Electronics Show? Are they having it? Yeah, and they're also identifying some new things that they're trying to do. So, for example, you've got a company called Note, Nielsen Company, uh, has launched a new five live sports solution designed to help smart TV and auto manufacturers enable uh, sports experiences. So when people are driving, they get live sports in their cars easier than before. We all knew that the car uh, after Sirius uh, was kind of the next big content hub uh, after your home because people, you know, are stuck and what are they going to do? And this is a good example. They're having it and they're going to have creative solutions as well. So that Quibi, uh, wasn't that like those 10-minute videos that were hot and then it went away? Have they sold uh, their business model to Roku? Yeah, they have. And uh, the uh, short-form video content hub uh, was in advanced talks to sell uh, the content to Roku. Uh, Roku is attempting to revive it. Uh, We're all in a society where people want to watch stuff in compact little bites. And so everybody who is part of a failure thinks they know the reason why, and now they're going to come back and try to make it even better. And the winner is the consumer, because whether it works or not, it offers a different kind of programming, which is good. How much money are they spending uh, now on esports? I, I heard it's a jump from like $2 billion last year to $8 billion this year. Well, you heard right, and, and the, bo- the bottom line of all of it is that it's even getting more in the future, and when you think about it, it is the fastest-growing sport by far of any sport. We're hung up on whether it's a sport or not. We're not hung up on how much money it's making. Electronic Arts bid to acquire racing game developer Codemasters is also there, and let's remember we're talking about the opportunity to have eSports as an Olympic sporting event soon. And again, people think as purists, is it really a sport 
Well, of course it is, and you're generating a lot of money. You're making kids millionaires because they played video games at a young age. I miss my calling. Well, I mean, how does it do against all these things like Netflix and video games and PS5s? How does it do? It does well because there's competition attached to it. It's official competition. And so it released the most popular esports leagues around the world in 2020, esports charts. It's a publication that ranks all this stuff. And 73 million hours the LEC uh, uh, Pro League uh, and all of these numbers are pretty pretty significant. It's numbers that you really couldn't believe over time, and it's growing because people's content is more and more uh, varied and diverse as you get forward, as you move forward. Uh, all right, real quick, uh, 20 seconds. What did Derek Jeter do down in Miami with uh, the, the player Jazz Chisel? Yeah. Uh, content, food bank, charity, philanthropy. Uh, he's doing a good job of getting involved in the community, which is also really important down here. Now all he's got to do is win. All right, Rick, great stuff. Thanks a lot. Rick Harrow from Harvard tonight in South Florida. So, Carver High, I tried to do the license and registration and title and stuff like that your way, right? The Carver Highway where, you you know, all you do is mail it and you're good to go. So, uh, I think there's, like, some kind of law, right? Like, if you do it at the car dealership, they do it for you, right? And they they take care of everything. You get the a fake plate for, like, a month, and then you get your plates in the mail, right? But with this thing that I bought... Um, I had to, you have to do it. It's not, uh, the same as getting it at the dealer or getting it at a, at a lot or whatever, buying it through a company or whatever. Uh, you know, this was like a, a family purchase, right? And I got it. And then, uh, I tried to do it online and tried to do it through the mail. And they're like, you know, F you, you got to go to the DMV. You have to go to the DMV with everything. You, we're not doing this with you in the mail. So sure enough, because I get my license through the mail and everything else. But this time they're like, you got to go. And if you go, it's like <laughs> you have to be there at four in the morning and it opens at eight. You sit there for four hours standing in line, freezing your ass off. And then you get in at eight. They don't eat. They open it up and you still wait another two hours. It's like a six hour day. People have to take off work. So I got this appointment instead. I heard you could get appointments at certain like subdivision ones. They got like three or four of them around where you can actually go to this small shop that they do it in as opposed to the DMV because they got so much volume and chaos and, and five-hour lines. So if you make the appointment and you go through the right channels, you can do it. I went there today, and in eight minutes and 30 seconds, I walked out with it all done. I got everything done. I almost keeled over. So if you make the appointment and you go through the right channels, you can do it. I went there today, and in 8 minutes and 30 seconds, I walked out with it all done. I got everything done. I almost keeled over. I mean, I spun out of the parking lot. I shredded tire in the parking lot. I was so excited that I didn't have to, like, spend my whole day at the DMV. I did the whole thing in 8 minutes. I was like, what? And the chick, she's like, here, you're done. Boom, here's your plate. Boom, there's your register. See you. Bye. I was like, later. Later.